And so normally, Jimmy, we usually we're this is supposed to be the section where we have like uh, emails and by the uh, emails from people, and it sounds like we didn't really get any. So we're just going to jump right into our guests. Yeah. Uh, um, we have uh, we have uh, Carrick Jones. He is he is at UDM Radio, and he also works for the Varsity News. And then we also have Matt Dudek, who is one of the many de- uh, one of the denizens of Grizz, uh, the Grizz Talk message board. And we're going to go ahead to and the talk- show, fellas. Yes, thanks for having me. Yes, and we're we're talking about and we are talking about the Metro series. You know, the first game of the series um, is going to be coming up on the sixteenth. I'm excited as somebody who is outside the realm of the greater Motown area. I am very excited for this game. Um, I mean, just the the the, the amount of I want to say animosity, but the the amount of passion at both of the schools to to beat the other team is so great that I'm I'm just personally very excited about this upcoming game that I just I can't wait. So I know you guys are the same way and much more so because you're not you know you're not on the outside, you're in it. You know, Carrick's on the Detroit side and Matt's on the Oakland side. So I I I'm I can't wait to get in there and dig into it and you know talk talk some hoops with you fellas. Sounds good to me. Yep, should be a good time. That's wonderful. So um so Matt, I wanted to talk about first about the uh, I wanted to talk about the Oakland game today. All right. Uh, the big the big change that I see coming today obviously is that Brad Brechting all of a sudden is in the starting lineup. Percy Gibson didn't play much at all. I, I don't even know if he got even off the bench in the first half. Did not get game. off the bench in the first half. Started and the was that was was Coach Campy trying to send him a message? Oh, like absolutely. you got to pick it up. Like what was that about? Uh, it was absolutely a message. Uh, it started at the end of the uh, of the Valpo game, which we all know how that worked out for us. Yeah. Um, and continued through the first half of the UIC game where. Percy should be able to be a really big force in this conference. He's he's built bigger than pretty much anybody else, and he should be able to to really run the paint, and he hasn't been. Um, and yeah. I think Campy hasn't been pleased with um, just the production that he's getting, and really the effort. More, it's not about the numbers; it's the effort. You know, it's that eye test more than than the statistics. And he sat him down. He. I know he, that. I know that for sure. Campy is a lot more of a taskmaster than some of the coaches in the conference, and he really demands more out of some of his players than, you know, than you may expect from, you know, down the street or here in Milwaukee, definitely at a place like, say, Youngstown. So it's not a surprise to see him, you know, sitting a guy down like this. Um, probably, the, probably the good point of the season to do it, I'll sit here in the first half of the UIC game, um, is it, do you think that, Bre- uh, that Brechting himself had anything to do with that? Was that was Brechting? Is is he been playing well, or was it really just, you know, this was more of about a message for Gibson rather than Brechting? Let's get you ready because we're going to be looking towards you in the near future. I think it's both. I mean, um, Brechting originally was supposed to redshirt this year, and coming out of that Spain trip, um, they they start they they decided that he was going to play because um, he's got a lot to do, but he's got a lot of skills that we don't. I mean. 
he's a seven foot freshman that can play some defense and you know they talk about his motor that he doesn't stop so mm-hmm. I think that was definitely a part of it was getting him some some minutes where maybe he hasn't seen a bunch and maybe letting him go a little bit where you know KB is known to have a short leash if you make a mistake he's going to bench you quick and he's got some depth so that he can do that and I think this kind of gave Brad a chance to, to get some more minutes and get some experience which is great but it was also a big message to Percy he talked about it in his uh, post game presser today Oh, he did talk about it in the press yeah. conference. He was... Oh, yeah. It, there, there's no. It wasn't a secret. It wasn't a speculation. It was a message to Percy of, um, you know, he talks about Percy's a great guy apparently, and I've never, I've unfortunately haven't had the chance to really meet Percy or talk to him much. A little bit of, on Twitter, but apparently he's just that jovial guy. You know, someone you just want to hang out with. Great guy. He's but a big. That's... He's a big dude. They list him at six nine two seventy one. You'd think that he would. Uh, you think that he'd throw the jovial away and start beating some people up in the post. Well, and that was Campy said, but is he someone you want to go to war with? And and that's kind of up to Percy to decide, does he want to go to war? And, you know, apparently Feld, or, yeah, Felder, after the Valpo game, he didn't do the um, the post-game press conference. He was in the locker room and apparently had one-on-one conversations with everybody and stepped in that leadership role vocally, not just on the, on the floor, but vocally. And I'm sure a big part of that was getting with Percy, who he's known for a while, and, and saying, look, man, we, we need you to play a role, and we need you to, to do it now. So, you you mentioned war, and too often in sports, people are willing to use war metaphors. Mm-hmm. But this game coming up this week, you know, the Metro series, and while you guys had a pretty wonderful day today in Rochester, uh, down the road, Carrick Jones was kind of ready to pull off the headset and walk out of Callahan Hall in the first half of that game as Valpo, you know, kind of took took the Titans to the woodshed, Carrick. Yeah, they uh, they handed their way with us in the first half, that's for sure. Yeah. It was it was a good uh, it was good to see that they were able to fight back. Yeah, you know, it there's a lot of good things and a lot of bad things about that game. Um you know, I Whatever happened with Chris and Paris, that coach felt the need not to start them. Um, that clearly showed on the face of everybody else in the first half. Um, I, you know, it's for me, it's same old McCallum, and it's just average, mediocre coaching. I think he's a wonderful. He's a wonderful person. Um, don't get me wrong about that. I just don't know if he's a solid Division One basketball coach, and I think that decision um, hindered the game. But once they got going, they got going good. Anton shot really well today. He's been on fire lately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if they can get the pieces going, you know, and all the moving parts, I think they're going to be all right. Uh, they're clearly a talented team, but uh, Josh McFally needs to grow up a little bit, and Paris Bass needs to try because you could see it on his face that he he did not care. I mean, if you if you look at the box score, I mean, I watched the game. I watched the game itself, so I, I, I do have some opinions outside of you know this box score. But just looking at that specifically, you know, you'll see you'll, a lot of people are looking for their points, their rebounds, and you know the 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 straight integer numbers. And you know, 16 points and 10 rebounds against the best team in the conference doesn't seem like such a bad idea. But then you start digging, you looked at the guy. He shot 50% from the line, which a lot of the times you're not expecting a, a, you know, you're not expecting a guy to go and hit 12 of 12 shots, but you hope that he gets more than six. 
Yeah. And then five of eighteen from the field, he was he was kind of to me it seemed like Paris was forcing everything. Um, when Valpo got up big early on, it seemed like Paris was really trying to force it so he could answer everything that Peters and the other guys were throwing at him by himself. And then in the second half, as things were starting to get closer, it felt like he was he was almost getting really excited and he wanted to be he wanted to be part of that uh, part of that rally. So he was forcing up quick shots where maybe I, I know that Detroit's such a you know a, a high octane offense, but you don't have to attack the ba- attack the basket in the first three seconds you cross the cross half court line. And it seemed like Bass was doing that even when he was running into Vachel Fernandez, which is just not it's just not a smart thing to do no matter what player you are in this league to just take him head on, you know. When you're five, you're ten feet away from the basket. So, um, it, it was. It, it seemed like it was a good second half, but it definitely wasn't Paris that was really running the show there. It, it, it was definitely Anton Wilson was the real driver driver behind that. You know, you guys almost coming back on them. Yeah, you know, really, Paris never runs the show. Um, he's not vocal at all. Um, he yeah. prefers to sit and not say anything. Um, that's but he's just a shy guy. But the thing that scares me, and they're talking about it on the message board right now, um, is that Paris has the green light to do whatever Paris wants. But yeah. if anyone else tries to do anything, uh, McCallum immediately pulls him out. And he, I've seen a longer leash on Carlton Brundage this year, mainly because Carlton told Coach I will take my next my year next year somewhere else um, if mm-hmm. I don't get a longer leash. But it's sad really? because you see it on Carlton. You see, you see him do it to Matt Grant and Gerard now. Anybody else makes one mistake, they're out immediately. But Paris can do what he did today, and they leave him in. And it's 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 kind of upsetting as a as a fan and as a guy who covers the team. Now, is it obviously there's always been somebody with the McCallum with McCallum's teams? There's always been like kind of like a golden boy almost. Yeah, and obviously we can talk about his kid, but I, I'm talking about, I mean, even in years where, when, you know, Junior wasn't there. Right, it, was, it, was, it was Juwan. Or Juwan was, for uh, sure. It was Xavier Kneeling before I got there. Yeah. Uh, he, I don't know why he does it. Um, I don't think it's good coaching. Um, as someone who coaches, I think it's poor coaching. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but... You know, the joke around with a lot of the players that aren't Paris when you're talking to them is Paris has a lot of Jawan in him. Um, yeah. And I think we saw that today. He didn't see a shot he didn't like. <laughs> uh, is, speaking of shots he didn't like, I mean, both teams here, you know, we're, we're coming up on this rivalry game. And the Metro Series features the two top-scoring offenses in the Horizon League. Um, both of you guys had a bit of a humbling weekend facing Valpo. I think that it's pretty clear uh, that it's, it's pretty clear that Valparaiso at this point is far and away ahead of the rest of us on the on the bell curve. Um, and both of you guys who have had great scoring players, have seen those players struggle against Valpo specifically. Um, they maybe won't have those problems coming up against each other because 
Detroit's giving up almost 83 points a game. Oakland's giving up almost 79 points a game. So it, it seems like there's there's something to be said for there, there's something to be said for you know getting those players back on track. But what are you guys looking for besides winning the game on Thursday, Matt? What would you say you want more than anything besides that victory in the Metro series? What are you looking for on the one game week to uh, out of your team? You know, what what do you want to see to see Oakland move forward and maybe retain that, you know, preseason number two spot? For me, it comes down to um, getting back to working inside out in uh-huh. establishing a, a post presence. I know that Mercy struggles down low. They don't have a lot of size. Yeah. Um, so I definitely would like to see you know, Percy get back in and starting hopefully, but putting in that effort. Because if, if we can establish down low, you know, Jalen Hayes as, as a number two option down low is, is – is a really big beast if somebody else is, is putting in the work at the center spot. Um, so if they can get that established, that opens up the three-point shot for, for Max Hooper, Rec League All-Star, or whatever, you know, like. Yeah. The greatest name in college basketball. Living, he's, he's living out every rec player's dream. I'm just going to shoot threes and do it well. Love it. <laughs> well, what, 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 what about you, Carrick? I mean, you're, I mean, you guys obviously have the, had the, the tough day today. Um, what, what is it? What is it about? Is it about finding? Is it about finding cohesion? Is because Detroit's got talent. I, yeah, I you know I yeah. think it comes back to them only having two seniors. Um, mm-hmm. And if you've you've watched the last few games, coaches really pulled uh, Gerard out of the rotation, <laughs> and, yeah. and he should because I watched him tell coach to f off three games ago uh, from my seat, sit next to Perry Farrell from the free press, and tried to take him out of the game. Um, and I've I've heard other guys complain about him. So, granted, mm-hmm. you know, if he's going to act like that, he probably doesn't even take a seat. Um, Matt Grant might be injured. Nobody knows. He was in a walking boot. Now he's out of a walking boot, but he hasn't been playing. So I'd like to say, see some, some consistency. Um, I really want to see Josh versus, versus Felder uh, because when I first interviewed Josh, that's the first thing out of his mouth. Yeah. Was, I want to shut down Felder. I was his backup uh, in AAU for three years. Yeah, um, and I know him, and that's that's the cool thing about this rivalry is, even though we don't recruit the same circles for players, in Michigan everybody knows everybody. You know, there's not that many AAU programs. Um, everybody knows everybody, and I just want to see the the matchups and the personalities, and and seeing what Chris Jenkins can do. I feel like Chris Jenkins is in need of a a big game on a big stage. He's that kind of guy. Um, you know, he's real cocky. He's real smart. Four point kid going to med school. Sure. Uh, and I, I really want to see him step up. So seeing uh, you know Chris step up and have a big game and then seeing how Josh does with Felder. I love uh, Chris Jenkins' hair, by the way. That's pretty much my favorite thing in the world is uh, seeing him at the line. Uh, somebody got a great screen capture from today's game. I, I don't know if he, had, he got the – was yeah. it he finally got to look at the scoreboard. And it's like, oh, man, we're behind that much. Yep. It, yeah, it's it's – it's. I, I. It sounds to me like you really you're really looking for something out of the juniors, uh, to well, kind of you know, step up. Personally, on a personal level, yeah, uh, I have no problem with the juniors not playing. Um, I think CB deserves those minutes, and it, I'm biased, and, and uh, Matt knows that CB's one of our best friends. Um, you know, but I that kid the last few games, the old him is starting to show up. Yeah, you're seeing it, he drives in, drops the ball, and gets the foul. 
Um, and, you know, not playing the juniors has worked, but I think Matt Grant is the kind of guy who, if Josh can't, isn't um, Rashad Phillips on a broadcast with me last year, was talking about Yogi Ferrell for a knee, and I said, he's the straw that stirs the drink. Nice. If Josh can't stir the drink, then Matt Grant's got to stir the drink because those are your point guards. Paris can't play point guard. That's a bad experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's He gets two in his head. So, you know, I'm really looking just for consistency. If the juniors only play five minutes each, then they better be a good five minutes. They better not be Gerard fouling people and Matt hawking up horrible threes. So, I mean, I, I, I personally, you know, from watching Brundage for the past couple of years, I've, I've – I, I really feel like that when he's on the top of his game, there there's few guards that have the ability to play at his level in this conference. And it seems to me like if Detroit has any designs on maybe m- making a run here, setting themselves up for a top two spot, because Valpo's probably going to be there, but I, I do feel like Detroit... Oakland, obviously I'm biased with Milwaukee, Wright State. I think there are a few teams that actually have a good shot at that number two seed. And it seems to me personally that the 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 Carlton Brunage that we've seen since, you know, Dece- kind of December, I feel like that's a player that he, 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 I, when you say he's the old old CB, that kind of rung true, that, that rang true with me. Immediately, because I, I was thinking, you know, if they can, if they, if he can stay on track, you know, this may be an offense that can really run more through him than run through Bass, who is at a, a almost a just straight chucker at this point. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting because you know CB obviously national top 100 recruit out of high school uh, mm-hmm. comes from a great pedigree. His dad was an NFL tight end and played for Coach K at Army. Um, he's got a good head on his shoulders. I mean, the, if you ever watch our games, the first thing you notice about him is he's happy to be on the court. Yeah. Uh, you know, he really enjoys his his time out there. And I think him and Anton together, especially Anton, they've they've really grown up over the last few years. Um, and and that leadership is what they need. Because is Chris the leader on the floor? Absolutely. It's Chris's team. Yeah. But someone that's not Chris has to, has to consistently step up. And if those two guys can be – two more scoring options, then maybe it takes pressure off Paris and Paris can just play his game because when Detroit's firing with all four scoring options, they're very, very scary. It, it, the the offense is just, it's almost like it can score at will. They're, yeah. uh, they're playing more freely, in my opinion. If it, it feels like the offense is running at a, a more freestyle than they have under pretty much Ray Senior's entire tenure. And I, I I really think that that may be that might be kind of like the silver bullet for them. Oakland's like that too. So if I if I if I say to you, Carrick, you know, Oakland's a team that scores a lot, just like Detroit, but they kind of hold a little bit. They're kind of a little bit better on the defensive end. What is it? What is it that you see from Oakland? that you really have to take into account heading into this game if you're going to win it? Well, they got to do what they did last year at home. They can't play their game. Um, you know, they have to force Oakland to push the tempo and, and make Percy Gibson and uh, 
Beaching very uncomfortable. They have to make mm -hmm. a run up and down the floor because our our five is a six six tank that can run up and down the floor and has no problem sprinting back back and forth because when he gets tired, they'll put Gerald in um, yeah. and, and switch him out. So, you know, the thing that would scare me is if Oakland's setting up in zone defense and then we're not shooting threes over them, and at the same time they're going and setting up a half court offense, we're in trouble because we're not we don't play defense. So playing a half court offense it's not going to do anything because we we don't play any defense if we do it's it's forced turnovers um but we don't we don't do much defensively so i mean the key's got to be to push the pace it's got to be a track meet that's the only way detroit's going to that game is if it's a track meet you know you brought you brought up the zone and i noticed today in the valpo game you know valpo is playing quite a bit of zone and i noticed that chris jenkins was getting open in the middle of the zone, and nobody was finding him. I don't know whether yeah, you know. No, I saw that too. I, you know, it's a young team, and I, I know it's an annoying thing to hear, mm -hmm. um, and I'm annoyed with coach saying it all the time right now. Yeah. But they, they really are a really young team. You know that Chris sat out two and a half years, um, so it, as good and as smart as he is, he still didn't play basketball for two and a half years. Yeah. You know. Um, Paris might be 20, almost 21, but he acts like he's five years old. Um, and he's sat out a year. So, you know, Josh, I mean, your, your point guard's a, a freshman, and he's barely 18 years old. Um, they're young, and, and they got to find Chris. Be, and Chris has to be even more vocal than he's been. That's the one thing I noticed today. Chris got frustrated and wasn't yeah. talking. Um, and that could that could make or break him. But I, I think Chris Chris's arrogance and Felder's arrogance are both going to help them now this week. Yeah. Um, you know, Matt, Carrick talks about, you know, to, to win against you guys, that they've got to push the tempo. You think that you think that's the, that would be the right move for Detroit against you guys? I would love nothing more than a track meet. I, I, like, I like my team in a track meet. Yeah. So, uh, I, and actually, you know, he mentioned the zone defense. I disagree. Uh, one thing we were doing today, I guaranteed, yes, it was against UIC, is we were doing a lot of, of full-court press and just playing deep into our bench because we, we should have a lot of depth. And I think that's one place where we get really ahead of Detroit is, you know, their, their point guard play is struggling. So let's make them make plays right from the end line and see what happens. And um, I, I think we struggle with three-point defense. I think that's a campy thing, and it has been for years. Mm -hmm. Teams go off on us shooting threes. So I, I don't like the idea of getting into a zone defense and – I say let let's run and have a track meet because I, 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 you know Felder will go forty minutes and he's a track star. I'll 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 let Oakland run in a track meet all day. What 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 worries you about Detroit? You know what 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 can they do that you can see losing that game? They they can get hot they can get hot from three and that's yeah. that's the, that's the killer in in Oakland is they don't play good zone, um three point defense they just don't get out there. And I don't know what it is, but it's always been that way as long as I've watched OU is players that shouldn't be going off do, and they just hit from three. And you know what? If, if Oakland can't get out to there and, and the other team's hitting, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. And I think that's really what we saw the, the only time we have lost to, to Detroit. You know, um, you mentioned the three-point shooting, and it's, it's, it's funny to hear that the three-point defense at Oakland isn't good. And they're, yet they're fourth in the conference. But then you really look at the numbers, and they're giving up 34% to the opposing opposing players, which is, I mean, it's a green light. If you're an individual and you're shooting over 33%, at least on our team, 
you got a green light to shoot that three when you have it. Sure. And Detroit, you're shooting 40% from three. That's an unbelievable number. I mean, get hot. The, the whole season is hot. 137 of 344 is the official number on three-point shooting from Detroit. Um, the shooting today, it wasn't quite as um, – it, was, it wasn't quite – so, I mean, they, they, they weren't shooting a lot. They only shot like 13 threes or 14 threes today. But they were falling. And, Carrick, do you think maybe the, maybe the best shot for Detroit in this game is to, yeah, make it a track beat, but also, you know, take it to the outside? Yeah, and, and you know, that's when Anton and Chris are really going to come in. Um, mm-hmm. Chris's shot is, is horrible to look at. Yeah, um, I, yes, it is. It's it's horrible, but it goes in. I don't get it. And it's it's funny if you go watch practice. Um, Chris mumbles to himself the whole time, and I asked him one day, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> and he said, "Well, I'm counting. I keep my stats." I go, "What?" He he uh, goes, "I'm like a thousand for one thousand and ten in the last like four months at practice." Um, he's he's a he's an interesting character, but his three has really been hitting this year. And I know Anton's the big three point threat. Um, we call him King Eight Ten. Nothing to do with the band that's gang affiliated. Um, but, uh, I like it. He he didn't believe it was a band, so I started calling him that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know if he can get going, if he gets hot from downtown, he's scary. And the the thing about Anton this year has been he's been able to get hot shooting a lot of mid range shots. Um, so if he goes inside and then steps outside and starts shooting, he's deadly in the corner. If he if Oakland's playing man-to-man and he can scoot off into the corner for a kick, he's going to hit that shot nine times out of ten. Yeah. Um, and you can have a hand in his face. You can push him. He's probably still going to hit it. You know, that's what got him offers from Baylor and NC State. So if that's the plan, then then it's got to be Anton and Chris. And I don't know if Oakland outside of Hayes has somebody that's got the length to cover Anton because Anton's a guard, but he's six six, almost six seven, And he just got real long arms and real long legs. And, it uh, definitely feels like Oakland, as 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 great as everybody's getting on Oakland, and I I I, I think that any Greg Campy coach team is going to be a, is going to be in in the mix. The thing that really is kind of is glaring to me as far as maybe a weakness of the team is you're missing Dante something awful on defense. You, you you think I'm right on that, Matt? I do. Um, I think Sharon Dorsey Walker um is that kind of that. Uh, what is he? I think he's six five, six six. Um, trying to find it. Yeah, uh, he's six. He's listed six, six. at six four. So, yeah, he's right in that range though. Um, I keep looking to him and waiting to see if he's gonna. He, they call him that glue guy. He's a gr- great rebounder, which has been a lot of fun to watch. He's got a good shot, but yeah. uh, I keep waiting to see him step into that defensive role. Um. Martez Walker is still trying to find his place too, um, with that tra- you know that that midseason transfer. That's always kind of weird with chemistry and everything. Um, I think his big thing is going to be finding, you know, as a defensive stopper as well. Just because that is something you know, they they we joke about it at Oakland, but I th- I think there's a lot of unfortunate truth to it. We just we're not a lot of times great defensive teams. Um, Campy loves to look at the points per possession, and I get that. But then I watch games and you know. The eye test just never feels good to me about it. Um, so we are we are lacking that that Dante Williams stopper. But Dante Williams was not someone that did that originally. He he found that role as a junior and a senior because 
you know, what he was there to do was score, and that wasn't really working so well for him. And he found for minutes he had to play defense, and I'm waiting for someone to to step into that role, and it really hasn't happened yet. You know, we're coming up on this game. We're, it's, it's, it's not a long way away. I mean, it's the 16th. Is it, is it Friday or Saturday? Saturday. Saturday night. Or is it Saturday night or is it Saturday afternoon? 3 o'clock, I think. Yep. I think that... It, 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 it's not just us. You guys are getting a lot more 3 o'clock games than we did before, right? Yeah. It's, it's this awful ESPN... It's this ESPN contract, isn't it? It's got to yep. be. Yeah, I just want to... As, as, as three representatives from three different schools in this conference, can I just say that this ESPN contract is just is so god-awful. Oh, they, they, they had to have stuck us into that time slot to even out the number of games for their for their teams, you know, even out the number of games over their Saturdays during the basketball season, right? That wasn't that wasn't because the Horizon League decided we're just going to be like at three o'clock. We're going to be more of an afternoon league. It's just I don't know. It's such a joke <laughs> at this point where I'm just kind of uh, the ESPN contract is. Kind of surprising to me, especially when we're talking about uh, we're talking about a league that when the when the TV contract came up, there were viable options out there: Fox Sports, NBC Sports Network, CBS. Like there, like there are more options than ESPN. We don't have to swallow what they give us, especially because the Horizon League Network was so great. Um, looking forward to that when we join the Horizon. I'm I'm bummed I didn't get to really. Enjoy it as long as you guys did. Did it, did did that pretty much drop off? Like when when you came in, how many games would would be in? The, it was thirteen, fourteen. So how many how many games for Oakland? Do you think you got to see for like Horizon League Network? Um, I caught a good deal because it was great getting to watch. Uh, so, you know, we, we won soccer championship that year, and I remember watching it on my iPad on Horizon Network, going, "This is awesome!" Like, couldn't yeah. make the game, sitting on my couch watch watching the soccer game, and it was cold out that night, so I didn't want to be there anyway. But like, it, I mean, the Horizon Network when I came, when we came in, I thought this was just the coolest thing, and then when I heard that we were going to ESPN, I was like, "Okay, cool." I I figured it was you know, just going to be broadcast there, but still the Horizon Network, and really, the, yeah. This ASN ESPN three thing has just not been as great as I think the Horizon Network seemed to be for the little bit I got to enjoy it. Carrick, when did when did you start at Detroit? Um, the fall of two thousand eleven. Okay, so I'm just trying to f- remember when. So you got you at least got to experience HLN for a couple of years. Yeah, three years. Yeah, and there was a, there was a point where. Every every sport, just about every game was on there, except for what was actually on television, like on the, on the guide. Yeah, uh, the only the only complaint I ever had about it was not watching it, but um, being in the arena during production. Those guys were in the way everywhere. Go to set up my equipment, they were in the way. Uh, go to eat in the media room, they were in the way. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it was great. And the thing now that really sucks is Comcast dropped ESPN three. Um, so I pretty much have to go to the bar to watch the game, which is, is not fun for away games at all. That's unfortunate. There's no Comcast support for ESPN3? It's it's not included in, in like, the basic 90-channel package or whatever. Oh, uh, okay. And I'm not going to make my parents pay for it for, you know, a month. So 
really, because all our home, all our away games are in February. So, um, and we don't get it on campus. So if I was on campus, I, I wouldn't get ESPN three either with their package because um, they're with DirecTV. So it's it's kind of a pain. Um, and it's, you know, ASN. I mean, we don't have. I mean, Matt, I think you can test this. I don't get ASN in Mount Clemens. I don't. Mm. I've never heard of it till we had it. Well, it's what what it is is it's Sinclair Broadcasting. So it's it's like syndic it's syndication, and they put together a bunch of channels. So like here we have my the like the my TV like the my twenty four is what they call it here. It's what used to be like UPN, okay. and that channel is like the American Sports Networks. Milwaukee affiliate, and then in Detroit it'll be a different affiliate. And I don't. I, mean, I I know there's some affiliate. You got? Is there a local TV station that does like one of your games? Well, we've got Oakland is on my TV twenty, which would be the equivalent to you, but which is an ABC broadcast. But okay. it's not, but it's not ASN, I don't think. Okay. Cleveland um, State, by the way, their affiliate is in Canton, which is ninety miles away. <laughs> Where Cleveland State is on 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 high demand. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> you know, um, thanks for popping in there, Bob. But I, I was, he's 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 doing work. So, um, I I wanted to bring up, uh, at the end of the American Sports Network talk, I was watching the 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 game today, the Detroit Valpo game, was an American Sports Network broadcast. And the opening started with this the, the, this woman who I made a crack that she looked like the chief from the Carmen Sandiego TV shows. And Great line to begin. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Oren really liked that one for some reason. But Jimmy, the, you know that lady's dead, right? Yeah, yeah. My mom watched the district show that she had been on, that, uh, that Craig T. Nelson CBS, like, whatever show, that, like, cop show. She was on that show when she died. So I knew, I I remember that she died, but um, getting pa- getting past the chief, um, you know the 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 woman who was running the you know the studios. There was no there was no analyst in studio. It was just the woman, and the studio itself was really nicely done, and she carry she she did her job wonderfully, but they had this this like three minute opening segment was. It, it just made me slap myself on the head because it wasn't the it wasn't the um, it wasn't the studio it wasn't the the it wasn't the I, I wish I remembered her name but it wasn't the woman running the show they were both very you know well done the graphics were very well done but whoever wrote the copy for for the opening of the show should get smacked in the face because this whoever wrote this she comes on and she says. You know this the the battle here between Detroit and Valpo is between two undefeated teams, and if Green Bay loses later today, that team that wins this game will be in the first place in the conference alone. And I was just like, oh god, this person whoever wrote this wrote this yesterday morning, and if somebody on ESPN three is thinking about passing through and checking out Valpo because they hear all the all the national guys you know, gushing about Valpo, they come on there and they see, oh, Green Bay's got a game later today. Maybe they'll be in first place. Maybe I'll check that out. And then they'll be like, where are they? Um, maybe they'll look at the box scores and see, oh, Green Bay lost to Youngstown State yesterday. Maybe whoever was writing the copy shouldn't uh, 
put that on there. Which, hey, lots of the Youngstown happen. I want to talk about it. <laughs> hey, and, well, and I, for the record, um, yeah. I got up to take a leak right at the start of the second half. Their producer was, I'm pretty sure, asleep. Like, while the two guys were talking next to him in the first, first row <laughs> next to the Valpo match. His eyes were closed. His head was on his hand. And I walked by and I looked at our usher, and our, our usher's got to be 100. That's right there. He goes, I don't know. And I go, okay. But he, <laughs> he definitely looked like he was asleep. So your usher's <laughs> younger than your, your gym, at least. That's nice. It's not 100 years old. It was the 50s, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. It was built in the 50s. The same guy who built Cameron built it. I'd like to see that gym packed to the gills. Because that place is hard as hell to win in. Come to a high school game. It's, is it, you guys do high school games at Calhoun? The state quarterfinals are always there for D1. Nice. Um, they were kicking people out last year. When Josh you know, and Gerald played U of D Jesuit, they were legitimately kicked. Because it's U of D Jesuit's home court. With yeah. Cassius, they draw too many for their 2,000-seat gym. They probably draw three or four there. Um, and granted, U of D Jesuit has tons of rich alumni that follow them for every sport, everywhere they go. Um, but yeah, no, they, they pack it for high school. But that the reason we don't pack it, well, it has to do a lot with the school having no money and people in Callahan not getting creative enough. But I think the new marketing guy will do a lot better than the previous few years. Yeah, we... we, we... <sighs> You know, we have this person who came in from UW-Whitewater, which everybody knows UW-Whitewater is this D3 football powerhouse. And she comes in to, to do the marketing for the for our program, and I think that she does this fantastic job when we haven't had anybody really running the marketing for a long time. I, and I feel like she's doing good because like, you see stuff on social media. And then I look at, you, you look at the attendance, and our attendance is down to, like, Less, uh, almost le- like uh, right around 2,000 a game, and it wasn't that long ago where 2,000 a game was, uh, it, it was, it was, it would be an embarrassment. I mean, 2,000 a game is what we would expect if we were playing a small Christian college outside Chicago, and now that small Christian college outside of Chicago is about 1,500 or 1,300, and it's really kind of depressing to see those attendance figures. 2000 and, a game at Cleveland State is called a packed crowd, Jimmy. Yeah, I, I, I think um, Cleveland State should consider playing in the Woodling Gym. They, but here's the other problem, and that's just to your point. We Cleveland State just uh, signed that agreement with Quicken Loans Arena. Yeah. And that's a 20,000-seat venue. And because the Wolstein Center is not big enough at 13k. Oh, of course not. Um, well, here was my question, and, and this is, and I was always surprised to. I was thinking, okay, well, great, the queue is going to be, you know, I know the Cavs, they've got this big sales and marketing machine. Let them have at it. Yeah. I, you know. 3,600 for the Kent State game, 3,200 for the Ohio U game, and the Wolstein Center, which they are, I guess they are kind of, I guess they're supposed to be managing the events for. None, they haven't even cracked 2,000 on, in any of the games yet, I don't think. I think, um, Belmont possibly, but they, I didn't have the attendance figures for that. That was a good game that you guys won. That we actually won, yes. (laughs) But every one of them, um, and the, the the non D one teams that we had there, it was it was a ghost town. Yeah, you know, that uh, Detroit Val- or the Oakland Valpo game the other night. 
That was a that that looked pretty fantastic on television. Forty one ten. Pretty loud too. Was that a was that a was that a straight sellout? Uh, and then some. That was the that set a new attendance for the arena. Wow. That was. What was, that, what was the previous high? Forty one hundred, I think. Was, yeah, did they announced it. I think it was forty one ten for the yeah. Valkyrie. Yep. Um, I think the previous high was right around four thousand. That's that's when you when you're at a sellout with standing room, you're you're right in that four thousand mark. You know, before you guys got into the conference, we used to we we had this Horizon League rule sure. that said that the that a Horizon League school could not have less than five thousand seats uh, for their for their main home gym, and that had been written for us because we had played at the on-campus Klotchy Center, which was about actual seats were about like twenty five hundred for until like two thousand three when Bruce Pearl decided we wanted to move downtown. And we moved downtown, and the Horizon League quick passed a rule to kind of lock us in there. Say you have to have five thousand, or else you know we're gonna kick you out. So we 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 couldn't go back, and we were stuck with this lease. And now we have this incredible debt. But you know, the new athletic director is coming, and it's fine. And then Oakland comes in, and oh, but we we we'll just get rid of this five thousand. What's we'll discover this five thousand. What are these all, these big gyms doing for anybody? No one's filling them. No, it's, they're not. Yeah, I, I really feel like if our arena was seven thousand seats, that it would help a lot. And I think that's Cleveland State's problem more than anything else, is that mm-hmm. the Wolstein Center, the home gym, which as a building itself is that, is not bad. It's the it's the size. It's oversized. It was oversized when they built it 25 years ago, and they knew it. They knew that it was going to be oversized. Did they? Did they think that? And they didn't even have any insight, knowing full well that down the street they were building gun, uh, the queue. Did yeah? Well, what was going to read it? Did do you think? Do you think that they had done that because they thought that Cleveland State could like grow into it based off like the success of under Mackey in the 80s? Um, I'm thinking either that or I'm thinking the state gave them a whole boatload of money and they just took it. Yeah. That's that's, that's what I'm thinking. You wish I, I I'd wish that they would put more would have put more of the money into the amenities rather than the seating capacity. Because I, I you know I look at. I think one of the best examples of a school that takes advantage of its that took advantage of a run in the tournament is Gonzaga. When they went to that Elite Eight at the end of the '90s, they took they took advantage of it by getting a number one. They kept Mark Few and locked him down forever. And then number two, they built the new arena on campus. And when you think of Gonzaga and Spokane, Washington is a, is a fairly big town. You know, it's still a town, but it's a big town. And it's got they have no competition. You're, I'm thinking that the place got to be twelve thousand, fourteen thousand. It's six thousand seats. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and then I, so I I've you know we've before we moved back downtown there was talk that we wanted to build an arena. I don't know where they would get the money for it, but there's talk to do that. So I would you know do the studying and find out you know what what are the facility sizes elsewhere. And I'm looking at some of these schools and Duke. Cameron Indoor is nine thousand seats. Hinkle Fieldhouse mm-hmm. is nine thousand. Yeah, I mean, well, Hinkle had been fifteen, and they tur- they they made they dropped it. They dropped it to what was it? What is it now? Nine thousand. It was ten five, 
And then this latest round, they actually reduce seating capacity going into the Big East. And it's, it's, it's such a... I, I think that, more than anything, really kind of holds back our conference. Because I think if Cleveland State had a 4,000-seat arena, if the Wolves team was 4,000 seats, and, uh, and Cleveland State would have that 3,500 of the Kent State game, all of a sudden you'd see more people come into more games because the atmosphere is so much better. And it's the same for all of us except Oakland. Everyone wanted to talk about how small our gym was. You know, my friends down the street, you know, they love to talk about our high school gym, but that high school gym gets loud and it's fun. Yeah, I, I, I just, if Callahan Hall were 5,000 seats. There'd still only be 100 fans. Well, I, I, you may. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. You're going to take shots at you, Carrick. That was going to happen eventually. Come on, we've been I'm surprised it took us this I'm long. too sick to deal with it right now. I really am. I can't even fathom. Because I mean, it's true. He's not He's not full of it. I mean, most of our fans are over 50. Yeah. I'll be the it's first a, it's a lot of Have you seen the Loyola senior citizen has. center that's at the Wolstein Center? Come on. Yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I know. I man knows. I'm very transparent. I have no problem. Saying exactly how it is, things that at UD they're not horrible, but they're not you know they're not the the money boat left in the seventies, and they didn't get on the money boat. Don't you you still have a law school though, don't you? Uh, yeah, but none of those people will donate to Detroit Mercy because of the Mercy. Because really? because of there, the there's millions getting lost because they'll only donate to basketball. There's well, two guys I'm not allowed to know their names. I've talked to both of them. They're they're in their mid nineties. They roll up in Bentleys with butlers. Ooh. They refuse to donate to anything but the basketball team. Yeah, I saw them. We yeah. went to a game. Uh, a, a couple friends and I, Jose Matamoros, who's since graduated, and then a couple of our don our well former donors. They don't like the they don't like Jeter, um, Bob oh, Bob and uh, Baba Jack. And anyways, we went to we did the Detroit trip. Obviously, it was before Oakland. We did a trip to Detroit in 2010, I want to say. It was like January of 2010, or maybe it was January of 2009. But we went there, and we pull up, and swear to God, like, two, like, Bentley Flying Spurs. Mm-hmm. Or, like, one guy had, like, one guy must have, like, the guy, they, they got out, and they were, I mean, they were as old as dirt. But, oh, yeah. The but one it's guy, like, I think, yeah. um... He must have talked to Keith Richards and got the the like living forever potion because um, <laughs> he's got to be a hundred. But yeah, he's got a butler, and his butler only refers to him as sir, and he sits next to the AD, so he must be given something. That's incredible! Wow. <laughs> I remember seeing Dave Bing at the game we went to. Yeah, that was when he was mayor. He was mayor. He was mayor at the time. Yeah. Yeah, because I know he was mayor, and then. Was that was he mayor before or after the bankruptcy? I cannot remember. Before. Yeah, I think that, I think the bankruptcy got blamed on his shoulders, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I'm sure that wasn't his fault. He just no. kind of. <laughs> There's plenty of reason, but I mean the good the the really good thing about Detroit, um, and while while the four of us are here, we may as well talk about this Horizon League tournament, uh. The, the the really good thing is it looks like there's it looks like there's investment in the city itself for the oh, first yeah. time in a long time. Oh, this the, I you know I I'm not a Red Wings fan I'm a Penguins fan, um, and oh. I I despise the Illages, 
uh, with the passion because he treats the Tigers like, um, you know, like they're nothing. But uh, that the new district's going to be great. And that new arena, when the tournament's there, it'll be worth the three years putting up with the dump that is uh, Joe Lewis. I think we only have two years in the Joe, though, don't we? Yeah, I think right. it is only two years. So where is this? Where's the new arena going? At is it corner. going by Ford? Yeah. No, it's a, it's a newer district that's being yeah. assembled. It's a quarter mile up the road from um, the Comerica Park. Okay. Okay. It's on the other side of the freeway, um, right across from Wayne State's business school. Oh, okay. So that's kind of like it's kind of like Northwest, isn't it? Yeah, it's it. Ten years ago, you wouldn't have gone into that neighborhood. Nope. And it's completely different now. They tore everything down. I mean, there's, oh. like the Masonic Temple's on the north side, um, which is really cool. A little bit sketchy. Um, there's a lot of kind of hipster bars and uh, all that over there. But, yeah, they, they basically, it was a bunch of abandoned buildings. They knocked it all down, and they're building up. And it's funny because there's this bar called Bookies that, like, ten years before, they built their bar in the middle of these giant parking lots. Yeah. It's going to be right next to the new arena. Nice. Yeah, like they, it's insane um, because you wouldn't think they were going to make any money, but now they're, they're going to be rich. They'll be the only bar with a liquor license right there. <laughs> so it's, it's crazy what happens because literally, like the only time they would get people is after Tiger Games when you can't get out of there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I, Carrick, before you had gotten on, I was telling, uh, I was telling Matt and Bob about. I have a, a we have a donor to the program who is putting together a hospitality room at the Cadillac, the the hotel Cadillac. I can't remember. Yeah, the Cadillac. Westin. Yep. The Cadillac Westin. That's what it is. The, the Cadillac West Westin. He's going to put together a hospitality room. It's going to be for everybody, not just Panther fans. It's going to be everybody. So oh, cool. You Detroit fans, Oakland fans, as long as you guys can remain civil. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no promises. Yeah, yeah not um, a lot of those old guys in, and there won't be a problem. We'll have a hospitality room. We're gonna do. He he he's been going to the Frozen Four for since it's existed. So he's obviously been to Detroit a few times to the Joe specifically. So he's putting together this. He's putting together this. You know, hospitality room at the Cadillac Westin. We're getting a block of hotel rooms. I guess it's gonna be at the Cadillac Westin at a steep discount, and. Um, everybody's invited. At the Frozen Four, he started this kind of same kind of thing. It, it's a different city every year, but it was it started with like ten people when he started really putting it together in the early '90s, and it's up to over 200 now. They get they they do like a hundred hotel rooms in a block in Tampa this year for the Frozen Four. So he's really uh is really looking to do this, you know, with the Horizon League tournament in Detroit. So. We are really excited about it with us, and I'm I'm really happy because I really feel like we've all talked to each other for so long on Twitter and on the message boards. I mean, obviously, Matt's still relatively new. You know, this is coming up on year three in the Horizon League, and, you know, Carrick, you're still, you know, you've only been at Detroit for five years. So... It, it, you guys are still pretty new, but Bob's been around a lot longer than I have, and I just I, I I feel like when it first happened, and you guys obviously know the stigma that Detroit has everywhere else, and I was as loud as anybody else. I'm probably louder than most about 
you know, ripping this idea about doing this neutral site at Detroit. And I, I, I actually feel really bad because the last time I really ripped it, I had gotten into an argument with Reggie, of all people. Oh, no. And it was, it was a week before his car accident. Yeah, you know, I that's the one thing that's really got me upset about it is, you know, I was in Pittsburgh with him, um, and I'm so happy I went to Pittsburgh with him. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, well, I didn't go with him, but I met him there, and we I swear we were at the bar until 1. But, uh, you know, he he wanted the tournament there so bad, and just the – the way everything happened is it's it's heartbreaking because he that was his one thing he wanted to show off the city to everybody. Um, so it's it's been tough for a lot of guys not having him there, but it's you know we're gonna put on a show and uh, we're off the red carpet. It's gonna be good for the city to get some basketball going. I mean I don't think there's been outside of the NCAA tournament basketball in downtown Detroit in a long time. You know outside of all the stuff that happens at Ford like the MAC title game and. You yeah, know, the, I mean, the there, actual games. There's hasn't been basketball since the Pistons and the Titans moved out of Kobo, and that was '80s, um, maybe even earlier. So it's really the first time they've done basketball, which I'm a little nervous because the sight lines of the Joe are already not nice. I could only imagine if you get a say you get an Oakland Detroit final and that place fills up. If there's an Oakland Detroit final, the Joe might not be big enough. Because it will be the first time in 11 years that that Detroit's been to the title game, or well, besides the the Ray, the Ray years, and then, but it's there, it's in Detroit. You guys actually get your tournament there, and you're both good enough that you can get a two seed. <laughs> it's just you wouldn't even have to win the regular season title to get to get the home court advantage with, with a Valpo or somebody else in the title game. It's it's pretty exciting, and I I I hated the idea of the two schools getting this competitive advantage and you know and Reggie and I argued about it like we we had, we had had a discussion about it and we kind of argued about it and I kind of ripped it and then of all people Rob Jeter sat me down and Rob Jeter and the athletic director here um, Amanda Braun she's been here since 2013 and they have um they don't have the best relationship. They get along. Um, but there are a lot of times where they won't agree on certain things. And I was really expecting, you know, Rob as as the basketball coach to hate this idea that Amanda signed off on. Obviously, your two schools voted for it. Gary Waters loves the idea, so Cleveland well, State... Well, he really Detroit so damn well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody in Detroit knew who Rob Edwards was. I was talking about it at the Pontiac basketball game the other day, and the Pontiac coach, Ben Kelso, played for the Pistons. He knows everybody. He goes, yeah. that kid was horrible last year, and now he's <laughs> dropping 20 points a game for Cleveland State. So. And that's why I didn't think he was going to do what he did. he's been doing this season, because I, I really thought he was going to be he was going to be behind a bunch of people, and all of a sudden he's he's pretty much, he, he's the man. He's a he's he's de facto because of the, po- uh, yeah, the, we, the talent not, vacuum. He's de facto things, things that need not team. be explained anymore. Because yeah, um, but yeah, for whatever reason, and if because you know Gary's obviously a he's a Michigan guy. I mean, he graduated from Ferris State, I think, many many years ago, and he was in Michigan forever. And mm-hmm. so it, it should it's it's not surprising that. Um, he's all over Michigan. Um, hopefully he'll, and he's, 
I want to say he's expanded into actually the Cleveland area, and he has on a couple of occasions, but we've got to get a little further down the state. Yeah. Um, I wanted to finish the point that I was I was making. Um, I uh, Amanda Braun had pitched to me after the move was going to be made. Obviously, I I broke this so I broke the story on Panther U, and then I had found out that the the two holdouts that voted against the tournament were Valpo and UIC. Hmm. And so I could have told you Valpo was going to do that. Well, I'll tell you that my sources were not uh, my sources on the story were not Milwaukee people. So you can guess what two schools I got my sources from. And I talked so so I, I went to Amanda and I said, "Why would you vote for this?" And she gave me some line about student student athlete experience is better. They won't have as much travel because it will be all on one weekend. Um, the, it'll probably be after either this year or after next next year's tournament. It's going to go from Saturday to Tuesday to uh, Thursday to Sunday. That is, she gave all sorts of you know certain lines, and I wasn't really convinced. But I was like, you know, for you because you're RAD and I la- and and we get along very well. You know, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt this year, and we'll see. And that was in May or it, it was a couple weeks after I broke the story. So. Uh, this past Saturday, we lose to Wright State, and I was sitting in Major Goolsby's, which is a fantastic sports bar. I've had I've had several beers with a good a good man by the name of Reggie Hall on his road trips to Milwaukee at Major Goolsby's, and I'm sitting at Major Goolsby's. They do the post game party afterwards. There's usually about 150 200 people there. Um, it had pretty much filtered out. J.J. Panoski and his family of, of like 40 people were on one side of the bar. In the other corner were was myself and a couple of guys that run the Black and Gold Club, the Booster Club, and then Rob, Coach Jeter. And I, I, I had expected him to really be against the idea of the Detroit tournament. And instead, he kind of said, he, he said, he said, look, you know, this is this is what this is what it is for the next five years. So even if you don't like it, this is what it is. But let me tell you something. Uh, this is him speaking to me. He says, he says, "Let me tell you something. I think it's going to succeed." And he's like, and and as he's like, the Illiches through Olympia, you know, they know how to promote, and they 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 do a really good job of promoting whatever's going on. They promote the the everything they promote does very well, and. Well, He's expecting that Detroit having the central location, instead of talking about how we don't have fan bases that travel, which none of us really do. Valpo kind of does, but not really. None of us really have fan bases that travel, and some of us, like Bob down there, don't even have fan bases to begin with. <laughs> so, Thanks. I'm just messing with you, buddy. They don't even travel to their own state or their own arena. So Jeter's on our uh, rascal scooters. You know, he says maybe it's not so bad that it, it, it's in one place. He's like, he's like, because this is going to be an opportunity. For the fan base to grow, people can plan ahead to do these amazing, you know, to to get a big group and you can make an amazing thing out of it. And we may have, you know, we might put five thousand fans in the in the Joe, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's more, it's 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 what the arc holds in Valpo. And it's some, and if everybody knows that it's at Detroit, they can plan ahead. I mean. 
I know probably six or seven guys that got their passports taken care of so they could go to the go to Windsor and gamble during the tournament. Well, gamble um, and the clubs there are fully nude. That's the other reason. Oh, really? Really? Well, that's I wonder if I could expedite a passport card. Um, if you have an enhanced ID, you're good. Yeah? Yep. I don't know if I have an enhanced ID. That's a, that's a Michigan thing mostly, I think. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Michigan, New York. Yeah. Yeah, in Wisconsin, we don't really uh, – they're, they're, they're big on IDs, but it's mostly voter ID that they're big on over here. Oh. No <laughs> comment on your it. governor. <laughs> yeah, we love him. <laughs> Um, we actually had a we actually have a practice facility on its way. There was, the students are pulling in a twenty five twenty five dollar fee per student per, per semester, which by the time it's done will bring in about twenty five million dollars, and it's been in place since two thousand ten. It's got about so it's got several million dollars in the fund gathering interest, but the problem with it is that uh, we don't have enough money to build this practice facility yet. The, the plan was to build $13 million practice facility, and we don't have the cash for it up front, so the, the plan was to uh, put $13 million in the state budget, have it in there, and then as we get the money from the students, put it back into the state budget at z a zero net cost to the taxpayer. Well, somebody was running for president, I guess, and decided that they needed to have a... They needed to have a balanced budget to make a certain, you know, certain big money donors happy and willing to back that person for you know presidential bid. So we had a couple academic buildings that got the kibosh, and then Ooh. this athletic building, which while athletics was a net zero on the taxpayers, but now it's getting pushed off to the 17 to 19 budget, to the 2017 to 19 budget. So. That was a great run. That was a great run, by the way. Whoever spent money on that campaign just pretty much should have just taken money and just set it on fire. <laughs> for for all the good it did, right? Yeah. The 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 conservatives in the state love him, so I was actually pretty surprised that he had bowed out as fast as he did. But that's what happens when you don't manage your money in a campaign. But it's just it, it's I, I bring it up because we would have shovels in the ground this spring on a practice facility that would be $13 million, which is, while not you know world beater like the place Utah just opened, it's still like a million dollars more expensive than the one they just opened at Creighton in Omaha, which is a big e-school. So the benefits that you get from facilities, we're, not, we're, we're kind of putting it off from where we have, so... Jeter thinks that the, Jeter thinks that the Horizon League tournament in Detroit is going to be a good thing. And I, I'm I, I'm ha I'm happy to bring it up with you guys because you are Detroiters, and I'm I, I'm you know he made me a convert between him and the the donor who's gonna put together all the hospitality rooms and stuff for the Black and Gold Club. Um, so everybody listening to this, that the Black and Gold Club, it's it's open to all Horizon League fans. So when we have it set up, you know, come by and have whatever's in the hospitality room. On, on us, so um, I, I suppose we should probably wrap it up here. Uh, yes. You guys have predictions on the on the Detroit Oakland game? We've won three or four. I don't see why we'd lose again. Yeah, three I, or I, four, really? Yeah. 
Uh, Kay Felder today in the press conference, he was asked about it. He goes, it's only a rivalry, rivalry if they can win games, so we don't plan on let's being a rival, rivalry. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that fourth game was pretty... That, that, that fourth of the three of four was a little bit in the other direction, though. Uh, it was the third one, I think. No, it was the fourth. It was the fourth? Okay. Yeah, we, 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 we got our asses handed in one, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think we're the better team, and we're going to do our job. Carrick? You know, I'm not going to give a prediction, um, but I I think, you know, there's some keys. You know, Paris has to has to shoot well, but it's got to be a team game. If they play a team game, they'll have a good shot at winning. And, uh, you know, really, like I said earlier, really excited to see Josh and uh, Kay go at it. All right. Well, I, th- I think we're, we should pretty much wrap it up by now. I'm, I'm, thank you guys for sticking around a lot longer than hey, no problem. we had talked about. I thought this was a fantastic job. Bob, did you have anything to say before we wrapped it up? Um, nothing um, other than, you know, you know the spiel. I mean, you know, you can catch all of us on uh, fourlights.fm, and you can follow us on uh, – you can catch the podcast on iTunes and TuneIn. So, yeah, iTunes, TuneIn. I think we have, we're on SoundCloud too, aren't we? Yes, we are. We're on SoundCloud, so, and for you, and for you degenerates like me who have a BlackBerry still, uh, it's also on Nobex Radio. So, there's BlackBerry still exists. Still I still, I own one. Thank you. <laughs> I might get a BlackBerry, or I might get a Razor. I don't know. Do you still make the Motorola Razor? Uh, yes. Yeah. No. 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 Of course not. Uh, they <laughs> no, they can, they moved it over to Droid. No. No. BlackBerry actually makes it, and. BlackBerry actually makes an Android-based uh, phone now, but it costs seven hundred and fifty bucks. So uh, seven hundred and fifty bucks. Well, with yes, open-source programming system, great. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for coming on the Horizon Roundtable. This Thanks was actually me. a roundtable today. Bob McDonald from Cleveland State, um, myself, Jimmy Lemke from Panther U, Carrick Jones from UDM Radio, and the Varsity News at the University of Detroit Mercy. And our always a good friend, Matt Dudek, the drummer guy from Oakland. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good one. We'll see you guys next week. We'll see you next week.